Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome back, folks. Welcome back to another very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast. I am really looking forward to today's episode. I've known this man for on and off for a few years through an organization called TLC and also uh, through the work that you may know of, the Sedona Method. He's a New York Times bestselling author of the Sedona Method, featured in the movie uh, Letting Go, founder of Sedona Training Associates, um, mentor, legendary Lester Levinson. Uh, also, you may know of him from the movie The Secret. We're going to talk about all amazing, beautiful things, letting go, bliss, releasing, and all of that great stuff. Welcome to the conversation, Soul Talk. The amazing Hale Dwoskin. Hale, welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. It's good to be here with you. <clears throat> it's great to be here. Uh, for those listening in on audio, I'm, I'm with Hale on video. Uh, this this interview will will be audio only. But uh, every time I see his face, I told him last time when he interviewed me, he just has this, uh, I don't know, just peaceful smile that uh, as I'm looking at him, I just feel blissed out myself. So it's great to be here. <laughs> Yeah, uh, ta- but you know, it takes one to know one. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel the same way when I look at you. There's just this beautiful, open-hearted light that is thank you. that is hard, uh, pretending to be a Coop Blackson. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> in, this moment, in this moment. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to just to see where the conversation goes, you know, uh, uh, I'm sure you've spoken about it, but for those that may not know you, I, I'm always kind of curious as to people's origins and how they got started doing what they're doing. I mean, you're sure. teaching now contemporary spirituality, Sedona method. Um, were you always like this? Were, you, <laughs> were your parents, you know, sort of enlightened beings? That <laughs> Give me a bit of the origins, you know, sure, sure. you grew up and how it started and yeah, what, sure. what, what, what put you on the path? Well, uh, uh, my parents were um, reformed uh, Jew- Jewish uh, and not particularly spiritual, but very high integrity, mm. very sweet, very loving people yes. and very caring about <clears throat> others. They... Um, my mother worked uh, as a teacher in the New York City school system, uh, mm-hmm. and my father was just a real estate broker, but just, he was a real estate broker and an attorney. But there was something about both of them that was very sweet. They cared about causes. They cared about the underprivileged. They were generous. They were, I, it was a very, I, I think, a very fortunate upbringing in a lot of ways. And of course it had its challenges. I had a brother who was born mentally retarded right after I was uh, so severe, he had to be institutionalized. And that kind of changed my perception of, of life, but it ended up being a good thing because it encouraged me to want to, to want to help people. And also it, it encouraged me to want attention, more attention than I probably would have. And so I ended up working in front of rooms and the desire for attention though disappeared Mm. uh, as I did the Sedona method work, but it got me in front of the room. I was actually shy. So without that desire for attention that I got from, uh, (laughs) from uh, that trauma of my of my brother being born that way and everything it did to my family and me being pushed out of, you know, I was the firstborn, me being pushed out of the center of attention. And it all kind of led me to 
start getting involved in self-help and spirituality. I actually started with spirituality first and mm. went, had a stint in self-help and mm. back to spirituality. <laughs> uh, and it have, and I won't get into the, the whole story, but eventually uh, I, I was organizing a seminar for mm. Lenador. Uh, mm. And this is the, the rebirthing. Guy, yeah, right? the rebirthing. Yeah. I, I was trained as a rebirther and I was organizing, was organizing a seminar for Lenador and Lester came as a guest, Leonard's guest. And I, I didn't even notice him in the seminar because he wasn't there. He had no desire for the center of attention, none whatsoever. So, but uh, fortunately my, the, or the, my fellow organizer Leonard and Lester went out to lunch and mm. sitting in this small group with Lester, I was, I just could feel this living, alive love and peace and certainty um, because I'd been already studying spirituality I was really tuned into it and he he was the first teacher I'd met who didn't feel like they were still seeking Leonard up for instance was obviously still seeking at the time when I knew him he had stuff to share but you know he had a ways mm -hmm. to go mm -hmm. uh, and but Wester I could tell was complete and that really got my attention. So he didn't say much about what the Sedona method is, uh, but he, I said, there's a course this weekend. And I said, okay, I'm coming. And he didn't teach it. He had other people do it. Again, he really did not want to be uh, the center of attention. But as I was going through the course, two things happened. One is I was struck by the power and the simplicity and the grace and the um, uh, just the, the brilliance of just the basics of the Sedona method. And the other thing that happened, though, is I had this intuitive hit sometime in the second week. We used to be taught in two weekends. The second weekend of the seminar, that this was my life's work. This is wow. what I came here to do. This is what I wanted to dedicate my life to. And... That was 1976. Wow. It's now uh, 2021, and I haven't wavered. You know, I mm. uh, I was very young. I was only 22, so I needed to get. I did some work with Wester immediately, and I did a little uh, reading workshops and things like that for him. But mm. but then I realized I really needed to have a get more into life and succeed and mature a little sure. no i wasn't a it's hard to be an authority figure at age 22. <laughs> <laughs> mm. so and then um in the early 80s i was invited to participate in the actually before you it's interesting like at 22 so you would you were leading some seminars yeah. well uh, i at the time I, well, I, I was leading some seminars. Yes, I was leading seminars at first for EST. That's what it was called at the time. It's now yeah. called the Forum. Yeah. And I was leading uh, seminars for rebirthing. Uh, and it's so young. I mean, 22. Yeah, and, and, I, I, again, I when I did anything from for self-help or for spirituality, I didn't do it half halfway. So how did you see? Here's what's, what the reason I wanted to stop and just ask before you continued is here you are 22 gung ho, and I think it takes something because a lot of I, I see it now. Like let's say a lot of young folks, 22, you know, social media, they're like teaching, and right. you said that you realized maybe you needed some more life yes. experience. Yes. Now I think that takes a level of self awareness. But a lot of people's egos, I think, would maybe not allow them to acknowledge no, that. Or, could or, be. I didn't even never thought of that, but that's true. Yeah, like I, I'm curious, like what what was it in you that was willing to back off and maybe go into life a bit versus staying hooked into the self help teaching because that could be an addiction too, especially oh, totally. Too. I, I've yeah. seen it. Uh, I, I saw it in myself. I saw it in other people. Yeah, the, any tool, spiritual or self-help tool, mm. can be a tremendous benefit and aid, or it can just be part of your neuroses. You can be doing it for all the wrong reasons, and it mm. could, and it, it won't really support you the way it could. 
Mm. There's still some benefit, even if you're doing it for the wrong reasons, because mm. pure self-help, that's really in the right direction and also pure spirituality, no matter why you're doing it, it still produces positive shifts mm. in, in your aware, understanding and your in, in what you see and know and experience. Mm. So if I look back on it, I knew that I still wanted to be involved in or dedicated to this work. But I also knew that if I was going to lead seminars for the Sedona Method, I, I wanted to, to really be more seasoned within myself. And so I, I spent um, from 76 to 81 mm. um, <clears throat> having my own business, succeeding in life, uh, and practicing the Sedona Method and heavily participating in the, in the seminars and things. And then uh, in 81, I was invited to join the teacher training program. And that, uh, that went on for a while. And as I was doing that, I was still living my life, having business, um, uh, traveling to Sedona where the retreats were uh, four times a year to really heavily participate in them. Uh, and, and what happened from that is it, in uh, 91 or two, can't remember now, but in the early 90s, no, actually it was the uh, late 80s, uh, um, Lester and the director of training, the woman who was running the, or the organization with him and in charge of teaching courses and training instructors had a falling out. And I was doing another project for Lester. Uh, I actually had moved in 87 to work as a full-time volunteer for his organization. I moved from New York to Phoenix. And then he, a couple of years later, he sent me to Sedona to do some work for him. And I was happily doing it. No you know, I was helping him in some way and I was content. That was enough for me. And then uh, Lester called me up one afternoon and said, what are you doing? I said, well, you know what I'm doing. I'm working for the, the on the projects you want me to. Well, I, I want you to come to Phoenix, moved back to Phoenix and become the director of training. I said, okay then. <laughs> <laughs> and so I did that uh, 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 until the uh, early 90s when, and Wester during that period also passed all his copyrights to me. Wow. Uh, and, and because he, I guess he knew that I was going to play this role. Wester, amongst many other things, he, he had some foresight mm. uh, and he could see the future from, he didn't try to do that. He actually had this tendency when he saw things that were unusual happening around him, he purposely uh, did what he could to undo that because he wanted to just be as close to his students as possible mm -hmm. and not be put up on a pedestal. Uh, and so, but it, he couldn't help this occasion we could see. And he must have seen that I was supposed to play this role because he turned his copyrights over to me. He asked me to continue the work. He, not long after that, a few years after that, he passed. And then the uh, Sedona Institute closed and I opened Sedona Trading Associates. And I've been doing it ever since. It's been, so it's, I've been engaged in it full-time since <clears throat> 87, mm. part-time since 76. Mm. And I've enjoyed every minute of it. Uh, well, I, you know, of course there are challenges, but I, the teaching part, especially in the writing <clears throat> and watching people change and the, the discoveries that come from working on yourself, helping others, and ha has always felt like a, an incredible gift. I've had this deep sense of gratitude <clears throat> for decades because of being at the center of this whole thing. And then the work itself has evolved. Um, when Lester passed his copyrights to me, he he said, "You know, you're going to you're you're going to evolve this. You, mm -hmm. you know, it, there's wherever it is now, it's going to improve." And so, over the years, what happened is when I uh, inherited the method, there was just one way of letting go. 
deciding to drop it, which is still incredibly pop powerful. But since then, we've added uh, welcoming, which is just allowing what is to be. And when you do that, things just melt and things mm. open. And also it's natural that that which you are, that presence of awareness or beingness or isness is already all welcoming. So mm. it's just going with what's natural. And then the other mm. thing I discovered through working with people is that when we have any kind of stuckness in life, there's often a stuck polarity. In other words, life appears to us as in pairs of opposites. It's duality. Mm. It's in, out, right, wrong, good, bad. And some of them are necessary for functioning in life, but some of them are added by our own psychological craziness, like good, bad, right, wrong, you, uh, uh, need and want and all these things that uh, I, I should I, sh I, I should do this I don't I shouldn't do this oh and we're being pulled apart inside but what I recognized is that when you welcome both sides of any polarity they dissolve each other mm. it's like bringing matter or antimatter together positive and negative charge they cancel each other out so by welcoming both sides for instance the love and the hate the love and the hate dissolves, re revealing presence, awareness, beingness, isness, mm. that which is beyond. So, and then uh, the way I taught became more and more non-dual dual through the 90s. Uh, and, and until now, it's the main way, it's almost the only way I teach. I, I, because I have run a self-help organization, I, I will often cut people slack and work with them on their, what I see as their, the problems that are, are at least partially, if not completely imaginary, certainly completely imaginary from the perspective of truth, but at least partially imaginary. When you look at it, our psychological suffering is all due to the belief mm. That we are a separate individual, that we are, that we're just this body and not this mind. Mm. And as people discover they're much more than that, psychological suffering disappears. And, and so I've been working to integrate all these different parts of the Sedona method into a, a non dual framework as best I can and inviting people to recognize that they are that pure presence of awareness of beingness mm. that I am, you are, everyone listening to is, and everything you experience is, the, the, the wall, the floor, the, it, it's all appearing in and made up of this one aware beingness. Mm. And as you discover this for yourself, mm. the transformation from that is indescribable. And more importantly, the, the peace, the happiness, the joy, the certainty that, that becomes your living experience is priceless. Mm. So just to set a context, because there's, there's all these questions that are arising that I, I want to maybe address for, for those listening in. Just for context for those that maybe don't know the Sedona Method in, yes. in a nutshell. So releasing... Can you just, you know, in a, in a nutshell, just this sure. is the Sedona method. You sure. talked about so, deciding to let go. And yes. just so people have a context so we can. Oh, absolutely. And so I'll, I'll, I'll go, now I'll reel it in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so basically letting go is natural. Uh -huh. uh, surrender is natural. Holding on is what's unnatural. Yes. Young children surrender or let go continuously. If you've ever seen a young child fall down and look around to see if they need to be upset, and if they don't catch anyone's eye, they let it go. Yeah. It's like it didn't happen. Catch right. someone's eye and they can get a little attention or approval. Oh, mommy, daddy. And they get one kiss and they're fine. Right. They right. drop it or they'll have a knockdown, drag out fight with uh, their best friend. And I'm never going to play with you again. And 10 minutes later, they're playing again because they just mm. let it go. Mm. But what happens as we mature into adulthood is everyone's trying to get us to sit down, shut up, behave, 
follow the rules and all the other things that are that aren't bad. They are a necessary part of a child growing into society. But unfortunately, a side effect of that, because that's certainly not any parents or any teacher's intention to have children lose touch with their natural exuberance and their ability to just spontaneously surrender to what is or let go of anything that's bothering them. But that's an unintended side effect. But because it's natural, children were born knowing how to do this, and we had inadvertently had to train them out of it. And it happens as we train them into believing that they're a separate individual, a person. Right. Daddy, hail. Daddy, coot. And, and over time, we believe we're a coot or a hail or a Bob or a Mary or a Joe or a Sue. And it's even in our language. We evolve into it. At first, we talk about ourselves in the third person. It's Hale's, where's Hale's toy? Where's Coot's toy? And then at about two or two and a half, it goes from Coot's toy or Hale's toy to my toy. And, and when we, that's when we start building this artificial sense of separation. It was building before then, but it's, it was, wasn't very sticky. But once it, it becomes your toy, then you, you, your the life becomes about protecting our toys, accumulating toys, protecting our body, and at, we're basically at war with life, trying yes. to accumulate and trying to protect. And mm. it's a very uncomfortable way to live. Mm. So what letting go is about is reacquainting ourselves with this natural ability to just surrender or let go. And, and I, I'll, 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 for those of you still not sure what I'm talking about, let's make it even simpler. Uh, pick up a pen or a pencil or some object you'd be willing to drop to the floor or to your desk or wherever you are listening to this. Mm. If you can, if you're listening in a car, don't do this. <laughs> but if you're in a place you can do this, it doesn't have to be a big object. Hold the object in your hand. For the sake of this analogy, the object represents your suffering, your sense of limitation, your need to protect, your need to acquire, all the things that cause the inner sense of contraction. And your hand represents your gut or your awareness. Now close your hand tightly around the object and really grip it. Now, if you did this long enough, it would start to get really uncomfortable, but also start to feel really familiar. Because this is what we do all the time with our, our thoughts, our feelings, our beliefs, our emotions. Enough gripping. Open your hand and roll the object around in your hand. Is this object attached to your hand? Of course not. But if you think about even our language, when we feel angry, we don't say, I feel angry usually. We say, I'm angry. We might even say, I'm angry at you, but... I'm angry. I am the anger. If you're fearful, we say, I'm afraid. Yes. We actually identify with the emotion. But every feeling that we have is attached to us as this object is attached to your hand. So now close your hand lightly around the object, hold your hand upside down, and just let it go. That's how easy it can be to let go when you recognize that you're the one holding on. The feelings don't hold on to you. You're holding on to them. And just being open to that, at least as a possibility, transforms everything. And so that's the basic. That's, that's the part that I inherited from Lester, just recognizing that your feelings are just feelings. They're not facts, and they're not you, and you can let them go. And then from there, it's continued to evolve to other ways of letting go. And also working from the other side. You generally we work from the perspective of I'm a, I'm a limited person that I need to fix. Or even I'm a limited person who needs to gain enlightenment. That's it's it's actually exactly the same thing. It's it's another thing to acquire. But you can also start experiencing that truth of who you are 
And then all the work from there is more spontaneous. And it happens from the place of recognizing that mm. I am pure awareness, having the human experience. Mm. And then when feelings arise, then from the perspective of, of pure awareness, there's no resistance to them. There's no judgment about them. And because you're not resisting or judging or, or trying to suppress them or do something with them, they dissolve by themselves. It's not that they totally disappear at first, but they start to dissolve by themselves. So we help people through that entire progression, wherever they are. If they're really lost in a story or a drama or in their belief that they're separate and alone in a hostile world, we'll work with them from there and then relatively quickly help them to see that that's not the whole story. There's yeah. more to you than this this sense of limitation and then we help then we begin to help them recognize that more and more and then transform from that place of of pure awareness now the awareness doesn't transform it doesn't need it mm. but our body minds the, the, our lives are you usually have a lot of things that are out of alignment with truth uh, uh, with uh, out of alignment with with just this this beauty that all is that you are that I am and so those things start to drop away naturally spontaneously effortlessly mm. so beautiful in terms of uh, uh, yeah I guess for, for curious deciding to let go can it, let's say someone is is listening to the conversation and they're like, but hell, I, I, I've decided to let go of that, you know, uh, if, if the pain from that event. I, I've, deci I've decided. I, I know right. I should. Right, I right. understand I should. I read all the books that I should. Right, right. <laughs> and, and, and I get it, but I just keep, I, I like, okay, I, I have a friend who, who go unmentioned, but you know, the, the, there's this thing that she's done and can't forgive herself for it. And intellectually, you know, done plant medicine, done this, done that, done forgiveness. Can't let it go. And wants to let it go, can't let it go. How, what would you say to that person? What, what's in the way? Obviously, there's, there's nuances, but what, what have you seen is in the way of someone, they genuinely want to let it go. They know they should, but they just can't. There's actually nothing in the way. Except that belief in that story that I can't let it go. And so there are two ways to... When, and people come to the Sedona method with many things that, that they're... Not only do they think they can't, they think it's impossible to let go of. But there are certain things they think it, maybe I could let go of that. So at least I could try that. What generally happens is people over time find themselves letting go of even things they thought were impossible to let go of. So one thing we do is we start simply and we help people experience that letting go is possible. It's natural. It doesn't hurt. It actually ends suffering. Uh, and, and we invite them gently into the process of letting go. You don't necessarily have to tackle the biggest issue first. Just knowing, again, you, if you wouldn't start lifting weights and, and try to bench press 500 pounds, you'd kill yourself. <laughs> but a lot of people approach self-help that way. Well, I, I read the book. Why can't I just instantaneously transform everything in my life. And when they don't, then they beat the crap out of themselves. Mm. And so what you do is you, you're easy. We encourage people to be easy on themselves, to just get used to and, and work into those bigger issues. Start with, you know, someone cut you off in traffic. That is relatively easy to let go of when, once right. you know how. Or start with, you know, someone left the toilet seat up or someone, uh, someone didn't wash a dish or whatever the, because all of us to, to varying degrees are in resistance and wanting to fix or change 
everything in our environment. So you start with small things first. So that's one way to approach it. The other, yes, go ahead. I can well, see. Yeah. Where, where is and, and hold that thought for a second. Where so where just clarify where is then the line of someone who's like, well, well, I could let that go here, the toilet seat thing, right? Or another, you know, I like certain things a certain way, and my husband doesn't do it that way because I like it that way. And, and, and so where's the line between that letting go and let's say someone having uh, a standard, right? Ah, yes, a standard. Is it? yes. Absolutely. Because if, if I just let everything go and I just sit there and the person's abusing me and, and they're not respecting me and I'm just letting it go, I'm, 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 maybe I'm in bliss, but I, you, you know what I'm trying to I ask. Actually, it's, a, it's, a, it's a brilliant question because it's a very common question. Mm. What happens, first off, Letting go, you're never letting go of your principles. Mm, you're not letting go of, of your wisdom. You're, you're not letting go of, of anything that's real or true. What you're letting go of is the illusions. Like I've, I'm out of control or, or the illusion that love comes from outside of me or the mm. illusion that uh, I'm limited to this particular body-mind and will die when it dies. You, the illusion that I'm separate from other people, including the people I care about. Those core illusions, as you let those go, things really transform. But the other thing is, you'll find that as you let go, if you've been a little timid and you're not really standing up for yourself, you'll find yourself spontaneously uh -huh. standing up for yourself. Because it's the feelings that actually, they. They tell you, they, they prevent you from doing what you already know you should be doing, and they get you to do things that you later regret. When you're operating automatically and you're suppressing your emotions, or you're just simply expressing them, but you're not letting them go, you, you feel the victim of them. And they, they run you around the block a thousand times a day. So, but when you recognize you can let them go, the, the easier you, the more naturally you feel that way, you choose what you're going to let go. There may, there may be some anger at times. Ah, I want to be angry right now. And that's fine. So you don't let it go. But knowing that you can let go of anger when it's, you know it's destructive or it's getting in your way makes a huge difference. Or you're grieving for someone and you don't want to rush it. But at the same time, you want to suffer through it. So you let go enough so you're not lost you can still live your life, but you still want to honor the person. You still want to honor their memory and all those other things. So it doesn't, it just smooths things out. It opens things up. It makes, it allows life to be more natural and spontaneous and easy. And, and so you can, as you discover that you can let go, just like you discovered you could drop that object if you did that exercise with us, it just gives, gives you an inner sense of, of choosing your state of mind as opposed, to, as opposed to being the victim of your state of mind. And then as you keep doing that, you evolve into being open to the possibility that you're more than the mind. The mind is a great tool, but it's not your master. And, and that becomes your living experience. And so... What I would say to someone who's struggling is, look, I know maybe in the past it was hard, mm. but these tools will help you make it easier and more natural. So, and you don't even have to understand how or why they work because when you first were young and you barely could reach up to the light switch, you didn't need to know how it worked to know that if you push the button up, the lights would go on. Or if you it pressed it in, depending on the switch, the lights would go on. Mm. So the, these tools, as you practice them, you see they work. And so you don't have to go, you don't really have to do any of this on faith. In fact, we discourage that. We want you to be open to it, but don't suspend your critical judgment, your your what you, don't suspend anything that you already know to be true for yourself. What you you just stay open to what's being pointed at and you see where it leads you. And generally what happens is 
as you discover that letting go feels good immediately, that you you breathe more deeply, your shoulders are no longer stuck in your ears, you're 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 responding differently to the to the to the people that you meet. People are responding differently to you. You you have more mental clarity. You you have more. Uh, motivation to stick to your goals, that all these transformations start to happen naturally as you let go of all the things that have been gumming up the works. And and because you get this immediate feedback, it's not something we have to do it for 10 years before you notice a difference. You notice a difference immediately. And so that's, it's easy to keep doing something that you, it's very American in that way. <laughs> the, the Sedona Man, but it's based on ancient principles that are taught in Buddhism and Hinduism and uh, mystic Christianity and in, in the Muslim faith. There, there, there's these core things that are taught by every religion that you learn the ins and outs of how to make that your living experience. So so it, it, it actually reinforces your faith in what you know to be true. So it, it's a win-win thing, and it really it encourages people to go further just in and of the, the results speak for themselves. Beautiful, beautiful. Got it. So you talked about, you know, our true nature, um, realizing our true nature. Mm, how does how do we get to that well that's <laughs> actually simpler than we might realize because it doesn't seem that way for many of many oh, folks no know. and and most of us have been engaged in progressive paths that yes you meditate for decades right you do yoga and, and by the way i i did all these things i still i still spend a, a, an hour or two a day i don't meditate in the traditional sense of the word, I, I lie down and I allow the world to disappear. Mm. I just go beyond worldly consciousness. But I don't do it, it's no longer doing it to get something, it's doing it because I like it. It feels wonderful to just have the, to just let the body-mind completely relax and disappear and just be pure awareness. That's a fun thing to do. And I still do yoga every day, not because I think it's going to gain, I'm going to gain enlightenment from it, mm. because it makes my body and my energetic system feel more alive and more in tune. So there's these techniques that most people do to gain enlightenment are all very good, helpful te techniques. Mm. But there's a more direct way to, to experience it. There's a more direct path. Uh, it's and in the East they call it Advaita Vedanta, but we don't teach traditional Advaita Vedanta. We teach experiential exploration into what's actually true in your direct experience in this moment. So, because it's all about something you can check in your direct experience in this moment. There's no faith required there either. You, you, you just experiment on yourself and see what's really true. And I'll give you an example of one of the things that we, a question that we ask people. So uh, actually what I'll do is I'll, I'll do this with your listening audience. Please. Let me explain what I'm gonna do and then I'll do it with them. And this is more of a non-dual technique there, there are other more basic techniques that we teach in, our, in some of our programs, but I, we're going to jump right into the deep end, if you're okay with that. Let's, let's do it. Okay. So uh, if, if you look at your, your every moment experience, what most of us see most of the time, we're lost in... The thoughts, the feelings, the ideas, the sensations, the, the hearing and seeing, that's all in the foreground. And we don't pay attention to what they're made of and what's in the background. We mm. don't realize that every thought is appearing in awareness. Mm. 
in beingness, in consciousness, every feeling is, every experience is, and they're made up of that same essence. So if you actually check whether you are thought or a feeling or a belief or a limitation, or if you are that which is aware of it, if you really look, you realize, wait a minute, I'm that which is aware of it. And each time you recognize that, something opens and lets go inside. And you become more self-obvious to yourself. And it happens rapidly. And just in recognizing that you are the awareness, you're not just the thoughts and feelings and body sensations and your history and your story, that changes everything. Now, that's just the beginning, but it's a great place to start. So allow yourself, everyone at home, let's do this together or in your office, allow yourself to think of a, a recurring thought or feeling or belief that you've been finding troubling. And just notice what it is. And also, just for a moment, could you just let it be there? Usually we're trying to fix it or change it or control it, or push it away or hold it close. Just pause that for a second and just be present with it. And then as you pay attention to it, just simply check. Are you actually that thought or feeling or belief? Or are you that which is aware of it? If you really look at your direct experience, you'll feel that there is this awareness that's, set, that's aware of that, but not limited to just that thought or feeling or belief. Now let's do that again. It, let's take it even deeper. Each time you do this, it becomes, awareness becomes more self-aware of itself because it, awareness is already whole and complete. It actually is what we're looking for in every activity. We don't realize that we're looking away from ourselves to find ourselves. So again, focus on that same thing or anything else. Again, recurring thought, feeling, or belief. And then check. Are you actually that? Or are you that which is aware of it? And for most people, what happens is something quiets inside. Something opens. There's an ease, a naturalness to that. And that awareness that became a little more aware of itself as we ask those questions is something, if you pay attention to it, if you start recognizing it, you'll start to feel it everywhere. It's there when you first wake up in the morning, it's the last thing you experience before you fall asleep. And it's there always in, in, in every experience, whether it's changelessly, whether it's a positive experience, you would label it as a positive one or as a negative one. That awareness is the ground on which all experience is based and of which all experience is made. And the, the more you pay attention to the more awareness pays attention to itself, the more you're freed from all sorts of limitations, many of which you didn't even realize you were carrying. So did that make sense to you, Kud? Yes, yes, really. Beautiful. I'm just, I'm just experiencing the, uh, the peacefulness. Yes. Yeah. And see, that was simple. Yeah. And it's a very simple question. But that one simple question is very profound. Mm. And it, that's just the beginning. It's, it's a, a, a one of the places we start to help people see that they are not just a body-mind. They're not just their story. They're not just the roles they play. They're not just their relationships. They're much more than that. And what it does is it brings all that to life. It's not an abandonment of life. It's an enrichment of living. So, uh, and 
uh, I'm one of the teachers in Rhonda Byrne's latest book, The Greatest Secret. And that question uh, is not unique just to the Sedona method. It's, it's, it's a common question used. It's, all, it's in the book, The Greatest Secret, and it's also a, a, a question used by many of the teachers in The Greatest Secret, including myself. And we all have our unique ways of helping people recognize this one awareness that they are and all is. And uh, so uh, it's something now that's starting to go into mass consciousness, which is beautiful because it's so direct, it's so natural, it's so easy if you're open to it. And even that person that you mentioned earlier, even they could check to see if are, are they you can she can ask herself am i this anger or am i that which is aware of it in just her seeing that while the anger dissipates she doesn't even have to try to let it go she doesn't have to make a decision again sometimes when someone's angry they feel like they're letting someone else off the hook and they don't want to and they shouldn't but one of the things i'll tell you a little secret about anger when you're holding on to anger because you think you're you're you have someone else on the hook, you're the only one on the hook. Mm. Most of the time, they've already moved on or they've forgotten about it. Mm. It's you who are stewing in it, mm. and you're suffering because of it. And what happens is, when you let go of the anger, it doesn't mean you forget what the person did. It doesn't mean that you're going to put yourself in the same situation in the same way. You you, you don't lose your wisdom. But you don't have to keep re-experiencing it. When you're really angry at someone or really sad or really fearful, you keep re-experiencing that same incident that caused the emotion. But this way, it goes out of your consciousness. It stops robbing you of your aliveness and your peace of mind. What I'm curious about, you know, in terms of anger, let's say social justice or injustices. Yes. Maybe you can speak to that. Let's say, like a George Floyd situation. Yes, yes. You know, people rising up in anger, and so how to, how do you navigate that? Well, that's uh, a really that's a beautiful and really appropriate question. So, at first, the anger is necessary. It was a beautiful thing, the outpouring of anger all over the planet. That's this is enough. I'm not going to take it anymore. Yes, but. There's, there's, a, uh, there's a price that we pay to live in that all the time. When we're angry, it's stressful, it's tense, it's, it's holding us back. And there's, there's energies inside of us that are much more powerful. And those energies are courageousness, uh, our courage. There was a lot of courage that actually happened because of George Floyd. A lot of people started in anger and then they moved into the anger, the energy of courage. From that place, you actually produce real change. If you're just in the anger, you burn down your own house. Mm -hmm. But if you move up into courage, then you say, no, I'm not going to take this anymore. And I, I'm going to elect people that are going to listen to my concerns. I'm going to uh, do what's right for for myself and everyone else and and it's natural and when you let go you let go of the destructive part of anger and what arises in its place is our certainty our courage our our our, our wanting to actually take constructive action that will make a difference as opposed to complain now of course Complaining has its points too, and it's often where we start. But if we just stay there, if we stay in the anger, it hurts us and it hurts everybody else and it doesn't move us forward. But the, the people that really make a change are the people that move up into courage or, or acceptance. And they, they from that energy, also people can hear them. When you're just yelling and screaming, people shut down. But when you move up into courageousness and acceptance, people can actually hear you and they actually can empathize with you and they go, oh, I wouldn't, 
you can have a, a reasonable conversation. How would you like it if you got stopped just because of the color of your skin? If you have that from anger, that conversation, then the person has to defend against it and they can't really hear you. But if you have it from a place of love or a place of courage, then the person goes, well, my God, I wouldn't like that. Uh, I want to help. What can I do to help? And so you've seen that happen this year. A lot of people have naturally let go out of the anger into action. And so it's a great place to start, but it's not a great place to stay. And, and when you move up, when you let go, when you, you, the, when you move into the, the more constructive energies of courageousness, of, of acceptance, sometimes even into peace, it doesn't mean you're not active. You're actually more active. When you're active from anger, the, the, there's usually an equal and opposite reaction. So for every, for every fire you put out, you're lighting two. But when you're operating from courageousness, acceptance, and peace, for every fire that gets put out, trees grow. Mm -hmm. The uh, lives get transformed and fixed and nurtured and cared for and fed. Beautiful. I love that. Wow. When you act from anger, there's a there's a reaction. You said right. There's a yes. there's a there's a compound reaction. Yes. Is there a, is there a, <clears throat> this might be a strange question, but is there ever a uh, danger that you could just you know someone could let go and become so content? Hell, just life is bliss. This moment is bliss. I'm just so at peace that. You just lose all motivation. I think that's sometimes a fear that people have too. Uh, ab absolutely. Path. And honestly, like the drive, the motivation to yes, succeed. Like, how yes. am I going to succeed if I'm just yes. peaceful and at one with everything? <laughs> well, there's, there's two answers to that question. I'll give you the 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 answer that will make everyone feel better, and I'll give them the answer that might still make them go. Hmm. Ah, <laughs> so, from a pure practical standpoint, what happens is you'll find that as you let go, all the mot motivations to do things that are destructive falls away, but your constructive motivation increases. You move from, from riling against the world to working cooperation with the world to mastering the world. Now, once you've mastered the world, then you may, and many people do, reach a point where they're, they're, you know, they have plenty of money, they have great relationships. Everything's working in their lives. And they, their motivation to just keep pushing, just to push, having just to have more, the, the more is better mentality starts to dissolve. Mm -hmm. And you can actually enjoy life. You can take vacations. You can, you can just sit back and watch the show more and more from this place of inner peace and certainty. And yes, a small minority of people reach a place where they're, they're so content inwardly that their motivation to fix and change things can drop away dramatically. But by the time you've reached that point, if you do it through releasing, you move through the mastery stage. And then you, you are just are in the enjoyment stage, the fulfillment stage. And, and then for a very small group of people, and it's an ever-increasing group of people, what happens is they discover the truth of who they are. Actually, that's a very large group of people now. Small compared to the general population, large, this, this awakening or uh, discovering the truth of who they are is happening in our community with the Sedona Method, but it's happening across the planet. People are interested in this now. They're, they're, they're exploring this. They're going to retreats and satsangs and all sorts of and meditation retreats and vipassana retreats and all these things that are designed to help us recognize the truth of who we are. So more and more of those people are becoming finders as opposed to seekers. And in that state, yes, your motivation changes, but it's okay. 
But what I've discovered is that people who still have things they need to do in life still have the motivation to do them. But many people don't have all these things they really need to do. They've been just doing to do because they thought they should do or they had to do. Those type of motivations drop away naturally. And bye-bye, won't mm -hmm. miss you. <laughs> Mm. Beautiful. Beautiful. Wow. That's, uh, makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Um, how does this apply to kids? <laughs> well, first off, I think kids come here to, to teach as opposed to, um, to learn. We, we, we as adults treat children like they don't know. Yes. And we need to teach them. And yes, about some of the, the, the ways life works. Yes, absolutely. But yeah. about living itself, Children are often better at it than we are. How do we, I, I guess, for those that are parents or want to have So kids, as parents, just be a normal parent. The, just this be normal. Tool, just, just be a, a natural human being. And let go of the anger, the fear, the frustration, the concerns you have about your children and just raise them with love. You still do the same things, but you're doing it from a very different place. And if you're letting go, you're less likely to train it out of your children inadvertently you're leading by example and because they see you letting go of, of stress or tension or anxiety or, or whatever appears to be holding you back they are less likely to lose touch with that natural ability and they they keep their lights on as opposed to getting dimmer as they get older and so you as a parent just be a parent do the things you know are right for your children but let go of all this i mean it's i, I, I fortunately or unfortunately i have no idea but i've not been a parent this lifetime although i am i have hundreds of thousands of students who on some way are like my children all over the world but and there i guess that was my substitute this lifetime but i know a lot of parents and i've talked to them and i've helped them and what they've all reported back to me is that when they let go and then they treat their children, their children with love and respect, that their, their lives transform, the, the parents' and the children's lives transform. And you naturally find yourself setting boundaries where required and not setting them where they don't need to be. And you find a way through. A couple of final questions, Hale. I'm, I'm curious, you may have thoughts on this or experience with this in terms of like um, folks who may experience, let's say, uh, mental illness in some way. Yes. And like uh, schizophrenia or bipolar. Are there any thoughts on just what you're saying as it relates to them or yes. now, how we with can someone how help with, them? Yeah. Yes. Uh, with someone who has uh, an extreme diagnosis, what I recommend that what they do, and, and by the way, I've seen people with schizophrenia and all these extreme illnesses with the cooperation of their physicians. And, some, and there are many physicians and mm. psychologists and psychologists who, who have in, incorporated these techniques into their practice. But if you're Make sure if you before you move in a direction like this that you have the permission and cooperation of of your medical prof professionals. Don't don't just assume because it's this is a do-it-yourself tool that most people can use on your own that you're ready for this. Mm. Make sure you do it in a cooperative way with those people who are supporting you, and you'll find it it can be a, a tremendous aid. I know of many people who, who have gotten un, disentangled from even extreme mental illness. But again, it wasn't instantaneous and it mm -hmm. was something that they worked at with their therapist and with their, or with their psychiatrist or with their doctor. And in, in that cooperative way, it can transform even people that extreme. Wow. Beautiful. Uh, wow, you shared so much, uh, Hale. Uh, final question. Um, if you were to just reflect on your life and experiences and everything you've lived up until now in this, in this incarnation, uh, and maybe you would, and you, some might overlap, but if you were to, let's say, look at 
the three, what you would perceive as maybe the three most valuable life learnings um, as Hale, that if you could only pass these three on to the next generation, like these three key wisdoms, sure. Uh, what, sure. What, what would you what would you pass well, on to the, the next the, generation? The, the first thing I'd say is remember that feelings are just feelings. They're not you and they're not facts, and you can let them go. As I discovered that for myself, it was incredibly powerful, incredibly powerful. Just the recognition of that is helpful, even without a technique, because most of us live as though our feelings are facts, and they're true, right. and, and, I can, and I'm stuck to them, or they're right. stuck to me. Mm. So that's one life learning that was very helpful. Another one is that whatever wherever I'm seeking happiness or, or um, peace of mind or even safety outside of myself uh, is not where to look. The, the source of happiness, of peace, of joy, of love is already right within me. And so as I discovered that for myself and I started to to look for that where it is and stop looking for it in, in person, place, thing, substance, or anything external to me, I found that I brought that to my relationships. I brought that to my business. I brought that to um, my health. I brought that to just life. And that made a huge difference. And then the, the last learning is is since the 90s, I've been recognizing at a deeper and deeper and deeper level that we are all one awareness, one beingness, one isness. And, and the more this, and that the more this has become my living experience, the more everything is just beautiful and perfect as it is. Not that I've stopped being active, I'm still teaching seminars, teaching re retreats, writing books, uh, and doing things like this. But I, I do it from a place of feeling already full, already enough, already secure, already at peace. And and what's also beautiful about that is I don't, I see everyone as that. When I see you, I see you as that same beautiful being awareness that all is. And I see that even when people are opposing me, even when, pe even when people don't agree with me, there's still that one boundless, timeless, spaceless, beingness, that this whole body-mind world is, is appearing in or on and as. And so that probably was the biggest learning. And it's been something that's been transforming me for decades. So, And these are all things that everyone can discover for themselves. The, not just with the Sedona method, if you pay attention, if you notice what's really true in your, in, your, in your experience moment to moment and you experiment and you're open to it, you can dis this can become your own natural living experience moment to moment. And I've seen that with thousands upon thousands of people. So it's not just a, for the chosen special few. It's for everyone, everyone listening to this can benefit from exploring these things for them for themselves. Amazing. Hell, I've loved this conversation and just, you know, thank you so much for sharing your energy, your insight, your wisdom, just so generously. Uh, for those that want to find out more about you and your work and Sedona Method and your teachings, mm -hmm. uh, what's the best uh, website? Well, the, the simplest one is our main website, which is Sedona, S-E-D-O-N-A.com. Uh, we have books and audio programs and seminars and a lot of 
free materials that will support you. And then we also have a Facebook page, uh, uh, which is the Sedona Method on, uh, on Facebook. And, uh, and there also, we have free quotes every day, free video. Uh, we have a podcast, which is Letting Go on the Greatest Secret. Uh, just Google that. You'll, you'll come across it. And I'm interviewing people, wonderful people like Coot and many other teachers and thought leaders who are really making a difference on the planet. Uh, and then lastly, we have a YouTube channel that has over 200 videos that teaches you about all the things I've been talking about experientially. Wow. And you can also watch the podcast mm -hmm. there too. You don't have to just listen to them. And that's also the Sedona Method a channel on YouTube. So those are the best ways to pursue it. But if you can remember just one thing, because it, it has links to all that other stuff, Sedona.com. That's S-E-D-O-N-A.com. Beautiful. Folks, you heard it. We'll put all of uh, the links in the show notes. I thoroughly, highly encourage you to check out uh, Sedona.com and Hale's work and, and just the incredible body of work and there's many amazing resources on the website. So check it out. Uh, send me an email, everyone. I would love to know your key takeaways from today's uh, amazing episode. Do me a favor, write a review, share this episode with all that you love uh, and let me know your key takeaways. Coop Blackson at coopblackson.com. I look forward to connecting with you all in next week's episode. Hale, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to be with you. Everyone, big hugs. Catch you next week. Love now. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.coopblackson.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.